I'm Laj. I'm Kohana. And, and this, this is Boiled Over. Welcome back to another episode of Boiled Over. This week we're sitting down with Irma Fiend. One of our favorite animators who's constantly experimenting with combining every medium they can get their hands on. Creating hypnotizing loops collaging all types of tactile animation, from claymation to pixelation. Making work that seems to completely exist in a world of its own that is so unlike anything we've ever seen, we couldn't be more excited to be speaking with them and learn more about their process. Irma, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about the work you make? Sure. Um, so my name is Lee. I make art under the name Irma Fiend. Um, I also go by Sweaty Eddie is my um, nightlife persona. Um, <laughs> I, um, uh, I'm primarily a GIF animator. Um, I work in um, mixed media um, genres and I, I do a lot of um, looping uh infinite loop content (laughs) Um, and I do a lot of stickers for Giphy um, and um, yeah like short really short like um, special effects moments um, overlay animation I've done some music videos um, title sequences stuff like that Oh, just a lot of little bits. Amazing. Little bits. <laughs> you definitely do it all, I feel like. Um, out of, like, all of those, do you have a favorite that you like to work on? Um, I, I'd say, like, my, my personal style really, um, uh, I, I feel like I really felt like I came into my style when I started doing um, self-portrait GIFs um, maybe, I guess, four years ago or so. Um, or five, five years ago now. Um, yeah, I just really like, I mean, there's, there's something that's very intimate about shooting stop motion with yourself where you're in front of the camera and, um, you know, shooting with a remote. Yeah, I had, I mean, I had done animation like a long time ago, um, but it was never something, I didn't go to school for it, so it wasn't, and I wasn't really like formally trained, Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't something that I ever thought that I would be able to do, um, outside of, you know, as a hobby. Um, but I did work in the field. Uh, I was like a producer in children's media, but yeah, I came, I came back into stop motion, like somewhat more recently. Um, and it was really in, in the form of doing these sort of like self-portrait, um, little like effect loops. I also love working short form because I have a really hard time finishing things. (laughs) It's, um, you know, if you're, um, doing something that's only a few seconds long, you can really put a lot of depth into it, even though it's such a short window of time, because you can have multiple layers of like interconnected paths of things happening all all at the same kind of simultaneously. Um, but you also have this temporal element, so it's not a static image. It's it's sort of something that's just endlessly like breathing almost. <laughs> I love the weaved loop. I love the loop. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, it would be my dream to do, um, like, have as few frames as possible, but to have as as, as much sort of um, ongoing uh, motion happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, not even just something undulating, but something where it's it's almost like a spiral of, of motion, like, mm-hmm. looping back around. Like, I love 
it's kind of annoying to sort of finagle it within the Adobe Animate interface. I don't know if there's a better so is that what you like, Yeah, that's it is, which is kind of like a weird way of approaching especially combining like photography stuff. Mm -hmm. Um I do more in After Effects now, but when I first started, I would just bring in image sequences and then just like collage them by just you know using the eraser to isolate different elements and things like right that. Right animate? Yeah. It's <laughs> like a lot for it to load and it's like not really the best interface for, but um, yeah. I just like drawing directly on it and I, um, yeah, I mean, even, even when I work in After Effects, I'll like export, I usually do like a few different um, pass-throughs of um, compositing stuff, exporting PNGs with the transparency, working in anime, then exporting that again, then like bringing that back into After Effects and um, just oh, sort of... <laughs> it's like weaving the loop of programming. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and then in, uh, Photoshop's the best way to isolate. I'm like working on something right now where they, um, it's, it's like a um, head spin with um, um, some actors and and I had to like you know with my own work I'm mostly make stuff for web and it like doesn't have to be super polished and like you know I isolate stuff and so that it looks somewhat stylized but like if I'm doing something for TV it, like you know I have to like bring it into Photoshop and like actually isolate everybody's like you know like tiny hairs the edge mm. of everything and then like so then like that you know the 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 ways of isolating stuff is is better in photoshop but then it's like i'm bringing in every single frame and then right, <laughs> exporting it out and it has to be 4k and all this yeah yeah all the annoying <laughs> specs spend most of my time watching my computer like <laughs> process than what i'm asking to do but. so how does like your more personal work differ if at all from like your more commercial work that you do for clients? Yeah, um, well, definitely when I started freelancing, um, I, like, the, the stuff that I was doing for jobs was very much like, you know, I was animating people's logos, um, mm -hmm. I was doing, like, 2D cartoon stuff that was very, like, stylized to match existing um, look and feel for the respective project. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, it, yeah, I think in the process of doing more of my own work and as I got more polished with it and just did more of it, um, then I started getting asked to do um, more things in that similar style, like either for like, you know, um, other artists, like um, music videos or like, so like just sort of smaller little pieces for musicians um, or other artists that wanted like animated portraits and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just in the process of developing my own por uh, personal work, people are like, oh, can you do something that's kind of in that style, um, but for this other project, or like, you know, shooting with us, like I did some stuff for, um, um, uh, Hester Sunshine, um, uh, fashion brand, and, um, and that was like really cool, it got to shoot with with models and things and like oh, sure. it's, it's funny to um direct with stop motion because that's not you know my my work is so personal i just like i know how to move for it and like um what's you know the timing of certain movements and things like that and, and mm -hmm. so much of that is just like you know things that i, I make on my own and i can kind of improv it and and let it go wherever it needs to be but you know working on like a with with other um 
talent in front of the camera and like directing them and then also like you know working working on something that's um well you know starting with an animatic and all these things like they have a more formal process to get everybody on board like that's right. definitely right. kind of a backwards from how I got into my process so um <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry. Do you feel like, like, your your <laughs> producer background would have helped with that, though? Like, I don't yeah. imagine it. I feel like most animators, or at least, like, I, I would feel seriously uh, hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> like, ask to direct a team of people. Like, the, like I, my practice is solitary, and it is mine. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of nuts. Yeah. Like, you get to work no. With people like that. <laughs> no, it definitely, um, it, it is funny cause I, I, you know, I was, I was always more insecure about like my technical animation skills cause I, but I have a background in producing. So I'm like, okay, I know how to like put together a look and feel document, like put it, put together a scope and a timeline and like an mm-hmm. animatic and, um, sort of define the parameters of the project and like all that stuff has been really um crucial for um managing freelance stuff and it was definitely something that was hard in the beginning because um I kind of was just in this mindset of like okay I well if I'm the animator I'll let them kind of produce it and then you know animation's so not subject subjective is not really the right word I guess I mean it is obviously subjective but it's also everyone kind of has a different idea in their head of what what you're talking about (laughs) maybe maybe even more so than like live action I mean I don't know maybe not not more so but I just I feel like there's there's more opportunity for something to to be a much larger scope um than you you know might be thinking of it as and that happens pretty quickly and like so it's kind of hard to like rein things in mm. to um, make sure it's matching the timeline and budget that people want and like, um, you know, trying to make sure that like my time is accounted for, but also that like we stay within the budget is like, it's definitely not <laughs> not an easy thing to like make happen in a way where people aren't like disappointed or like you yeah. know, encounter... That's, um. <laughs> like, the trickiest, definitely the trickiest thing of being, like, a freelance animator. And, like, I, I'm still so young in, in that world and still figuring out so much of it. But just, like, you know, in animation, everything is so deliberate because everything is constructed. Yeah. In a very way. <laughs> like, like, you don't accidentally get, like, a second take or something. Like, exactly. That like... <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's just... Often, too, when working with, like, uh, people that aren't animators or, like, musicians, Mm -hmm. production teams, like, people that are used to doing live action stuff, just, like, having to explain that when you are doing, like, freelance animation work is pretty, pretty crucial. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the industry is is just shifting all the time, and, like, you know, when I first started um, working at, at Sesame Workshop, it was, that was before... Um, iPads existed, <laughs> so oh. not, it's just, like, the landscape of, like, I mean, I, you know, was formerly exclusively in children's media, but, like, um, as far as what that even looked like was so different from what it is now, and, like, mm-hmm. just the idea of having, um, uh, like, making most of my money off of things that are ultimately seen through social media is, like, that just didn't even exist when I was starting, and, and it's, um, it's kind of, um, you know, makes me want to stay open to all the uh, <laughs> hypothetical ways that, that the future might look, but it's also, um, 
yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, so, I don't know, shifting notes just a little bit. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things about your work is how seamlessly you kind of combine so many different mediums, like 2D photography, stop motion, like some of your stuff, like claymation, like it, it's all there and it's all working together as one. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, do you have a favorite medium that you like to work in, or is it just kind of the combination of all of them together? Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I love, um, special effects with live action, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in, like, B-horror movies and in, like, music videos and, and things like that, and, and so, um, being able to, um, combine media enough that it sort of um, doesn't feel like a collage, but just sort of feels like a, another realm of physicality is sort of like what I'm striving for. <laughs> um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, I love shooting, do people still use the term pixelation? I don't yeah, know. I was like, okay. sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. If not, this is the episode that brings pixelation back. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I, I love, I mean, and that's the, I, to, I guess to go back to the, what we were talking about before, it's like, it's, it's kind of this weird catch-22, because I, I have been able to, like, make, make a sustainable art practice on, like, my own style, but, like, I kind of don't really have time to make personal work anymore, mm -hmm. um, because the, you know, I'm just constantly, like, looking for new gigs and things like that, and so, um, uh, I, I hope that, there might be more of a, a a chance to go back to um, making more sort of like introspective personal pieces because um, that was very yeah. important to me at, at one point in time. Um, and now I'm just trying to <laughs> build up. <laughs> I, I don't know. Now that I'm like, okay, this is it's an option. All right, I'm gonna try and just go as hard as I can on every opportunity that I have and see where it goes. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, I mean, it's worth it, but it's exhausting. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Do you have uh, I don't know, like advice or any insight over over the years of freelance for for people who might be like starting out now and just like trying to make freelance a little fun I also think it's important to note that like your work is so beautifully strange and like it's, <laughs> that like Aww. finds its way into like kind of everything that you make personal yeah. and you. like and so I was just wondering then if like you you have any advice for people to make uh, client work like fun for themselves in those sorts of ways yeah I guess I mean I guess it's a question of if you're talking about like long term you know the People really want to hire you to make things that they've seen you make already, and so um, definitely in the beginning, I was like, "Okay, everyone knows that I can do like freaky shit, but they." Oh, sorry, I can't remember. No, we're not. You can put a funny sound effect or something out. But um, uh, but but yeah, I was very much like, I have to make like a demo reel of me making like a like doing like a product animation of like fake things so I can show people that I can do like yeah. <laughs> acceptable looking I don't know and like you know the reality is is that like I tried to like you know seek out um work that way but like the it was you know it's it's a harder sell to try and <laughs> like get people interested in you versus trying to just like um you know bring to the table something that you, like, know that you can, um, 
really make extraordinary and then like people will seek you out that are that are looking for that to apply to what they're doing in in probably ways that you might not anticipate um there have been like i i don't know i spent i definitely spent a lot of like early years of doing it oh god bless you sorry <laughs> sorry i choked um no i was gonna say um uh, like, you know, I don't know, like, um, not being jealous necessarily, but <laughs> definitely like seeing people be like, I could do that. Like, why does anyone hire me to do that? Or like, oh, I know how to do this. I could just like look up some tutorials on After Effects <laughs> and then I could do it. But like, I'm sure I could certainly do it. I'm like, why am I not getting these gigs doing? Th-? And I was like, well, no one's going to ask me to do something they haven't seen me do. So yeah. I really just have to accept <laughs> where I'm at and just try and get better and try to like, um, you know, create enough exploration moments for myself. And, um, uh, I've, I've really been fortunate to have opportunities to make stuff, um, in nightlife spaces, I feel like, and Mm -hmm. like in working with musicians and stuff where there is a lot of flexibility to like try out new techniques and things like that. And like, I've definitely like landed on some of my favorite, um, pieces and techniques and directions that I've then, you know, expanded upon, um, by just sort of playing around with stuff and layering it and, and, um, you know, shooting stop motion of things, bringing it to After Effects, applying different effects and like, you know, combining it with other, um, stop motion things and hand-drawn stuff. And like, I don't know, just like, just a lot of things that I wouldn't have stumbled upon, um, if I had been really doing it within like a, a, like a very like strict, client directed um vision where I was like really like you know worried about oh if it didn't work out then I would be going out of scope or like have to start again or whatever but like yeah just like making spaces to continue exploring um definitely led me to a lot of the techniques they use now so um um but um but yeah it's like I don't know I like look back I'm like wow it really took me a really long time to figure out how to like light a green screen right in like a sh- mm-hmm. like sh- small area and I, I shoot um pretty much exclusively on keyed out backgrounds not exclusively because I do do some stuff on like little miniature sets um mm-hmm. but for the most part even those are it's like pretty um composited like I'll I'll shoot like you know a, a background boil of like you know a little like like forest terrain like on like in like a you know star night background whatever uh-huh. um and then like everything else on top of that is is keyed out and and on a different layer and stuff like that so um very much about like making pieces so if you know if something needs to loop longer or if it mm-hmm. doesn't work and I need to swap it out with something else like you know like someone's arm will be on a different layer like I don't <laughs> yeah I definitely am not making like very elaborate stop motion scenes where like there's like in multiple you know, Bruce Big- Bickford style, like, <laughs> stuff going on. I wish. That would be a thing, but I'm not that organized. We're not, we're in... not going on ones. <laughs> well, I do shoot them ones usually, but... Oh. <laughs> never, never mind. <laughs> um, I just love, like, really, like, um, aggressively timed stuff. Um, yeah. So It comes through. It's beautiful. <laughs> in these sets and these worlds that you create exist, like, these wonderfully wacky and weird characters and i feel like a lot of the characters that you create um 
like with their adorable eyes and like their faces and everything they all feel like they're like part of a world or a family Um, (laughs) and I'm just kind of wondering how you landed on like those characters and how you relate to those characters um that might be uh largely um (laughs) uh a um owing to I guess um the uh McNugget buddy. <laughs> um, the um, so the, the the chicken nuggets that were McDonald's toys in the nineties. Oh my god! Um, I think I might have I might have missed out on this cultural moment. Yeah, I don't know how much of that was just to me personally, but I have. Um, so I I I do. Um, uh, full disclosure: I have um, a lot of uh, crap. I have. I have, I have like I I used to be more of a hoarder, but um, I. It's it's really hard for me to um <laughs> not just accrue piles of things. Um, so I had a bunch that I you know had for decades, um, and then I found a few on eBay. My partner got me a whole bunch of them also. So I um, <laughs> very exciting. But um, but yeah, they're like very expressive. You know, they're they're chicken nuggets. So it's you know ball of, <laughs> of ground chicken meat but then it has a face on it but I don't know whoever designs the original ones like they're they have this sort of like Muppet proportion eye oh, mouth whoa. situation um that um you know and I've been a, a Muppet fan since I was a very very small child <laughs> so um yeah I don't know just uh, are they like little certain. little figurines um, I'd say like most of the, a lot, most of the stickers that I make, not most, but I'd say like, um, a lot of the sticker packs that I do for Giphy, like there'll be at least like one little nugget guy in, in, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so like you, do you create like the costumes for them as well? Yeah. Like, so I'll usually like do like make clay appendages around them or like use their face on, um, I'll, like I'll if I if I'm like animating like the a, a clay shape and then I want it to have that face then I'll I'll kind of like I'll shoot a few frames of their face like rotating a little bit in 3D space and then mm-hmm. composite it onto the clay and and you know, sort oh. of yeah do a lot of backwards God bless uh, McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know who they hired to make those but. Uh, Maybe your past life. Very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just really curious about like how your stop motion sets come together. Like, are there any, just in terms of like the the technical process of getting like your work your work made from like beginning to end? Like, do you start with 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 short form work? Like, do you start with an animatic or anything like that? Like, how does the process of roughing out like a, a stop motion idea work? Yeah, I have a very, it, I mean, I, I love getting to see everybody else's setups. Um, I'm like a little, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not embarrassed to share my setup, but it is a little bit of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> is it like it's a home just, studio kind of it's, situation? It's a corner like a... of um, my one room apartment. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely <laughs> very, um, very, s- s- not a lot of um, space. And I shoot inside like a light box. Mm. Um, so... Um, just like really small scale. Um, but again, like, you know, mostly, um, if I'm, if I'm shooting stuff that's in a scene, it'll sort of be this like liminal space kind of a scene that doesn't have like a, you know, full set necessarily. It's sort of like, you know, it will be like a, like a ground terrain. Um, and then, um, 
and then I'll I'll scale that, and then I'll shoot the characters that uh, usually at a different scale, and then kind of plop them in and, and do some compositing. Mm-hmm. So the characters <laughs> aren't in the physical environment. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They interact with it so well, though. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so, oh my god, so the the title sequence I did for um, Rhinestone Gorilla, um, mm-hmm. uh, um, which is like a, a web show, um, it was like very like. Um, I don't know, Rocco's Modern Life intro inspired, where it was just sort of this, like, um, uh, fever dream landscape of things constantly morphing and, um, like, characters and elements that that were affecting other characters and elements, but they were all sort of happening simultaneously, and that was, like, Mm -hmm. just this big After Effects file that um, threatened to (laughs) break my computer, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I sort of like, you know, I had this like road going down the center and the, the side terrain going by, um, and then placing everything in Z space in, um, After Effects, but they're all like individual, um, um, loops of stop motion, um, elements. So, so doing the 3D compositing in. Africa. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> and I would love to do more, like bringing stop motion into 3D space. Um, I haven't, um, I haven't done that within like a specific 3D software. Mostly just kept keeping things in After Effects. But like a lot of times, so if I do like you know head rotation stuff, I have like a full 360 head rotation. Um, you know, it's an image flattened image sequence, but, um, then if I place it in, um, 3D space and then I can like kind of move it in ways where it it really feels like it is a a 3D, um, (laughs) element, even though it is all like stop motion. Um, and, um, yeah, I would love to, to do more with, um, with, with that, especially like in, I don't know, like a web interface where you could have some interactivity to be able to um kind of like move stop motion elements or like right. um rotate them in some way um i don't know I, <laughs> if anyone does this kind of work reach out to me because i would love to uh I think even doing, like, AR, would be yeah really cool yeah too. yeah i did you know i shot something um oh my god i got to do i got to perform as a motion capture as Sweaty Eddie in a VR game. Yo. Which is what? Really funny. <laughs> but that not quite the same thing as what we're talking about. But I did um I did get to shoot like an image sequence that was like intended to be in a VR setting and then the way that I was going about it was like I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to manually edit hundreds of photo like to the point where it just I was like this doesn't really make sense. But right. there's gotta be a better process for uh for compositing things in that way. But um but yeah, I um, I just like, I just feel like as time went on, I was like, okay, I'm eventually gonna shift to working in 3D. But um, I just like leaned more and more to wanting to do tactile things. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I do want to bring them into spaces that feel less flattened. Um, and combine them in digital ways that don't feel so like digitally collaged. Like I want to be able to keep the um the um the physical properties of 3d space but be able to to um you know combine these different elements that were shot separately um i don't know so just on the topic of sweaty eddie while we're there awesome. um, and you mentioned you know working in these nightlife spaces and how kind of like freeing that is in your own work um for anyone listening who is Sweaty Eddie, and how does that, like, Eddie like influenced your work yeah um so 
Um, so I'm a drag king, and Sweaty Eddie's my drag persona, um, and I um, mostly perform live, but also, um, you know, the past year during quarantine, um, we've been working with um, the drag collective that I'm in called The Cake Boys, and we did um, the Cake Night Show, which was this sort of, like, virtual drag show. Um, we did um, that um, Sweaty Eddie's, like, the host of, and it's, um, we have all these different kinds of performers, um, musicians and other drag artists and things like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, there's <laughs> something about, drag is sort of very, um, you know, it's obviously, there's a lot of crossover with animation and as far as it's the flexibility and, and the, um, the, the dreamlike quality of it, and it's also this art form that is, like, um, you know, extremely focused on, like, it's very evocative and, like, um, uh, allows for, like, hyper-aesthetics, but it's also, um, very forgivable and, like, you can kind of fill in the gaps a lot, and so it's, um, uh, it's definitely been really exciting to get to combine, um, animation in um with live performing and mm -hmm. and this sort of like embodied character i do a lot of like um like exaggerated like i do a lot of i have like long arms that are i cast my hands and then i put them on um they're on like rods and then i make these like really long long oh arm my costumes God. so <laughs> like, so long articulated arms like so i can show you a photo um but it's it's basically um uh, like the, the shirt has really long arms uh -huh. and then the hands are my actual the size hands that I cast them in silicone. Oh. Um, and then, so they're at the end of them. So <laughs> that I'm like holding them up like this so I can like kind of wave around and like grab people and stuff. But, oh um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, you know, people are used to seeing drag queens on TV and there's sort of like this, um, established, um, you know, public understanding of what drag is and, um, and, you know, and who, who does it and, and the context. And it's actually like much more expansive than what's shown on TV. And, mm -hmm. and especially like the scene in New York is there's so many amazing artists that are doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, people do just like approach gender performance in all kinds of ways. And, um, and, yeah, so I'm, I'm very, um, oh yeah, we're, we're doing a Drag King and Fing competition, um, all, oh. all during the month of August, so that's, um, that's gonna be exciting. Is that gonna be back in person? Yeah, it is. Oh. It'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be live, um, uh, remote, so you, you can, you can watch it remotely if, uh, oh, <laughs> <Tune in from laughs> oh yeah, oh I'll, God, send you, I'll send you the link. <laughs> I will be there. Yeah, I don't know if, um, for people yeah. that might be able to be there in person, do we know where, where, like, it's gonna be? Oh yeah, um, it's gonna, it's at Purgatory, but you should follow, um, the underscore cake boys on, um, Instagram if you are interested in, uh, drag king and drag thing and alt drag and just some weird stuff <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's uh um but yeah amazing We're there. we are there <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering I, I mean this is so closely related to everything that that you've just addressed but like i'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what 
queer animation means to you, especially as like a fellow non-binary animator, you know, like how you feel or don't feel if that's the case, like you know, that your gender identity affects like general practice, the work you make, like in the content itself or mm-hmm. in the way that it comes about or just in the sort of moments you have in particular, um, like times in production, um, just like what, yeah, what queer animation means to you. Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I definitely, um, so much of, like, my, like, me, like, working jobs when I first moved to New York was, um, you know, I was focused on trying to be taken seriously as an adult, and that was something that, like, was a very gendered experience for me, like, I, um, I remember when, you know, when I first started as a production assistant, I was like, what do women wear at work? I was like, I don't, I like, the, you know, the jobs I'd had before were not as formal. And like, it was, you know, it was my first time, like, you know, trying to be taken seriously and to, you know, as a, as someone who, who was, you know, seen as, um, you know, potentially going to be working as as a producer at some point and um Mm -hmm. and so like my you know my the whole first 10 years of me working in the field was like um it very it was very present for me to like try and figure out like how to like present as a woman and how to like you know um how to like live as a woman and that was very much like what shaped my experience like personally in my personal life like outside of work and also just like you know coming into my own as as an adult and things like that um and so um you know I don't know how much of that is just like a product of the time of like um or the spaces that I was aware of and had access to but like I just didn't um like I don't know like um, I, I identified as a bisexual before I transitioned, but, like, having, like, a queer identity was not something that I, like, was in touch with or, like, knew how to have context for. It was sort of, like, like, this is me being a woman in my LinkedIn profile. Like, that was, like, (laughs) that was, like, where I was at. And, like, um, yeah, I think, you know, in the process of, um, getting older and, like, seeing people make different life choices for themselves and like I always just felt like being a woman was like a very performative experience um in in ways that I like definitely resonated with and that like felt like euphoric at times and I've always been like a feminine person but I've also been like a very flamboyant person and so it was sort of like um there you know I was like I'll play the cards that I'm dealt like I know how to you know I can get a pencil skirt I know how this works and like um yeah I just uh it didn't occur to me that there were other options and um I think um you know when I um when I started doing like self-portrait gifts um that was sort of the first time where I had um a lot of self-reflection on my identity and how I presented and I was very much like making work as um you know a a a feminine person who was in front of and behind the camera and like you know so much of my work was about um existing as a, a performatively feminine person and like um you know that's not necessarily different from who I am now but my context of um how I move through the world and how I understand myself has 
shifted as I've like, you know, medically and socially transitioned. And it's definitely, I don't know, transitioning is totally different for everybody. And like everyone has a completely different context for the ways that the world reads them and, and gives them options of, of how to, um, you know, feel embodied and, and things like that. So um, I can only speak to my own experience, but it's definitely been very bizarre. <laughs> um, and like, you know, there was a point in time where I was like afraid to post publicly um, that I wanted to, like the, the decision for me to transition was like pretty, it like, it was, it was uh, almost like kind of like an instant moment of being like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> and then being like, oh no, now I have to do, now I have to, to like, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it was like this simultaneous like relief and dread of like, oh God, now, now I know this is the thing on the table that like, now I have to, I don't know. I just like, um, I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to get hired or I'm not, I'm going to have to post like public, like no one wants, no one's going to want to, I don't know, all these things that, like, I, you know, it's a mix of just, like, living in a transphobic world and also just, like, you know, the product of, I spent so long figuring out how to be a woman and, like, <laughs> I was, like, you know, there's a different market for people that want to see work that is centering, I don't know, like, how I used to present before and, um, you know, my, like, my body, my femininity and, like, my, like, presence, like, in my work previously was really different and it was received really differently and like I had different interests in like you know or like the interviews people sought me out to to ask me about speaking about my art as like a femme and things like that like it, it was in the context of being in a body that's really different from how I live and am now and like um but at the same time like so many new things have have opened up for me too and um so I don't know yeah it was there was definitely a window of time where I was like I kind of hate that there's this like m my work is so public and myself is so public and connected to my work but at the mm -hmm. same time like um I don't hate it because there's no other way for me to like my work saved me <laughs> in so many mm -hmm. ways like it was like an outlet when I was like in going through a really dark time and and you know it wasn't it was only through making that work that I was really able to like fully sit in you know my own discomfort and desires and things that I wanted um for my life so like you know grateful to have that artistic practice but it is really it does feel very um scary to have your like livelihood tied to those things and like yeah. that was a point in time where I had work separately but it was like work that was very much um contingent on presenting as like a cis passing woman and um you know even trying to do jobs going back into the same environments that I was in before it just felt really different like the the work cultures not every place but like in a lot of places um, and I'm sure it's maybe a little different now, but like, you know, four, four, five years ago, there wasn't really a lot of interest in being tolerant to what transitioning looks like. And like, um, uh, I kind of just had to like, um, be open to the idea of giving up a lot of secure job security in that way. Cause 
I, but I was like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just sort of like, um, the, the blessing and the curse of not being able to go back that kind of pushed me to just go further in the direction that I was, um, being, um, led to. Um, and it, it, it led me to a lot of really beautiful people and like a lot of like, you know, ways of, of living in my truth that, like, I'm really grateful for, so I'm definitely glad that I couldn't go back, but, yeah, I don't know, navigating the workplace as a visibly queer person is really different, um, and it was not something I was used to, um, yeah. sorry, I feel like this is a really long answer, um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know, like, I, and again, I know it's totally different for everyone who transitions and or people, like, there's plenty of people who like um don't like change their appearance and have always like presented in a like as a queer person and like um that was not my experience and I know that if it had been I would have had to encounter different things at different points in time so it's like um yeah I don't know I have have much respect for people who um encounter um trying to maintain a sense of their truth in whatever form they do. Wow. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying like, yeah. I'm smiling so much. Oh, like, <laughs> like, it's really good to hear. someone who has truly always felt trapped in this body, it's like, very affirming to hear your journey and your oh, story. And thank you. And your work and those self-portraits. When, when did yeah. you start doing the self-portrait work? Um, 2016, I want to say. And that was when um, uh, Giphy did had their Halloween content. Oh, wow. So it was all kind of <laughs> at yeah. once. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, I started doing them for that, and then I just, like, kept doing them. And then, and then I entered this drag competition the next year, and then I was like, oh, my God, there's like a community of people who are do drag and it, they're not just drag queens and it's not only people who like live in certain way and like I don't know I just I never like I knew trans men but I always like all the trans men that I knew were like very masculine and had lived um as like masculine people before they transitioned and that was just not my story or trajectory so I just didn't see myself in it in any kind of way and I had a lot of very like internalized rigid ideas about like how how I was allowed to be or how I was allowed to take up space and call myself things or like what I had to prove to people or all you know like all these things and like um yeah I don't know as much as like you know animation isn't a like embodied um, job <laughs> as as other jobs like you know force you to like use your body in different ways and like the like you know how you present and all those things like um you know working in the world still is to some degree and like how we're perceived affects how we like lean into different kinds of work and I don't know always yeah yeah, yeah. so um I mean but at the same time like being an animator has kind of freed me to take a little more autonomy around my, like I, I was working from home even before the pandemic because my setup is at home and I do mostly freelance stuff. And so like, even, even when I work with people that are New York based, like it's mostly 
you know, sometimes we'll I'll like have meet preliminary meetings, but I'm mostly doing the work from from my computer at home. And so like, yeah, that that's definitely given me space to like, you know, kind of exist on my own terms. And like, yeah. I, I can work with, especially now during, you know, where it's more normalized to work remotely, like I can work with clients who might be uncomfortable with a visibly trans person, but like they like what I do and they like, don't want to ask any questions and we just kind of keep it at that and like you know there's there's definitely times where I'm like I wish that I was more explicit about um you know I don't um I kind of uh don't lead with like my pronouns and things like that I kind of just like let like you know if we if it makes sense for us to have a conversation then we do and I would rather just sort of be an androgynous presence in in those contexts but like I don't know I feel differently about it at different times and I like really appreciate and respect people who do really um do that in work environments and like um uh I just like yeah, it's been it's been strange. It's really <laughs> it's fucking hard. <laughs> like even even in something like leading with pronouns or yeah. like figuring out when to when to make that clear or articulated is always I've been finding it like a little tricky to do. So I, I, I feel like it's it so different and so personal, not just to everyone, but to each project as well. And yeah, like you're yeah. working with the, it. Yeah, it can be incredibly weird and strange thing to navigate when yeah. finding work yeah. yeah but i definitely feel like i was talking um i think maybe to like another animator about this or just like another artist but we were talking about like working from home as like freelance artists mm -hmm. and, and they weren't uh they were like a cis person but i was sort of talking you know on like every like on zoom and on slack and on discord or wherever i'm like talking to people that i'm working with like my pronouns are very visible and mm -hmm. i like that I feel like a lot of security in that, but um, yeah, I really totally. yeah appreciate you <laughs> and like I I don't know I also feel like self portrait work is so important in like every artistic discipline, but I feel like um I don't know in animation there's something really like freeing and wonderful about it too, and I like I've talked about this um from like a, a, a like a trans perspective mm -hmm. specifically too like you get to sort of see yourself as like an avatar like yeah. moving about the <laughs> world in a very particular way and I think there's something I don't know like in, in what you were saying too that I, I felt resonated with this idea of like you can you know like see see yourself in these very clear ways clear animation baby yeah <laughs> no I like the 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 um I mean I feel like I did I used to talk when I would talk about my work I would talk a lot about like the the horror of the fourth dimension and just mm. sort of the uh the idea of of being able to sort of um see shape-shifting things that are mm. like this cohesive complete thing like sort of being able to see all sides of the cube at once kind of, right. <laughs> kind yeah. of the situation and like these the idea that like um rotating or that the moving like looping gifts I guess are these sort of like rotations in the fourth dimension and so this self-portrait thing is like a way of feeling complete and whole when you um are sort of existing in like multiple fragmented forms um or like in ways that that could appear as um fragmented but they really are like this sort of cohesive um and being <laughs> always moving too. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
for saying that. No, that was I didn't. So you for fucking all of that. cool. More than anything, it's just like <sighs> that's so cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I really. I mean, I just. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot about. Um, um, obviously, you know, we're animators, we think about shifting things over time, but we also think about the essence of something that, like, retains, um, itself as it changes form and as it, like, you know, melts into the environment, like, that energy is still in the environment and, like, um, the idea of seeing something destruct and come back together and, and, like, retain its, its wholeness, um, is, um, very much at the, the core of, stuff that I'm interested in and um I don't know like the um uh what's it I don't know the (laughs) I'm just like thinking about like um I was I don't I can't remember I'm trying to remember which like I saw or, or I don't know I like I I I feel like I wish that people thought about um transitioning in a more abstract sense in the same way that we think about like aging and like just existing mm-hmm. as people mm-hmm. who are constantly shifting and changing and it's like it's the fourth dimension yeah like <laughs> like you know if you were to look at like a block uh like that was carved like showing the shape that you existed in as like a small person that grew um older and then you know like toward the end of your life um and like see it like sliced in these moments of time um like as individual frames it's like there's a sense of continuity like as you know you in your units that's existed in all these different forms um even though you can like recognize that each frame that you exist in is is a different thing and and isolated on its own but it's not really like a separate entity um mm-hmm. sorry i don't know now i'm rambling no, <laughs> no that I mean, is that's like the most beautiful thing i've like, I don't know. It's just really funny because I like it. It's funny to me because now pe- people that I meet now, I feel like I like, um, I have no concept of like how differently I like, I don't know. There's people in my life who have known me for a really long time. And I think people that I've known for a really, really long time are like not surprised by <laughs> who I, you know, how I am and live now. But I think um, people that I just met, like, you know, um, as acquaintances at various points in time would see me now and be like, oh my God, you look like a completely different person. Like how, like how to like sort of reconcile those things. And like, you know, that's definitely something that like I have a hard time (laughs) trying to make sense of too. Like I existed (laughs) as like a woman in a very different form than I do now. And like, you know, I'm not really interested in like passing as a man that's a whole other conversation (laughs) but like I think uh, just to sort of be able to like have the freedom to like let go of a lot of things that I like held on to um very um closely in Mm -hmm. like that were both like painful and like sort of like badges of pride of like having gone through like misogynistic environments and being like yeah of course I'm a woman I hate men like all these things like all those (laughs) things are like I still feel those things but I also like have been able to like kind of allow more um of the contradictions and and nuance and ambiguity into my life in order to be able to feel free (laughs) and like um it doesn't change how I feel about like the patriarchy as a whole and like how (laughs) 
how, you know, the th all the things that you have to do as a woman to, like, navigate the world and, like, all the ways that that's complicated for trans people and queer people and, like, anyone who's perceived as someone who like, exists in between places and things like that. And so, um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, I think just being able to have a sense of, like, wholeness to gain connectedness to my past and be like, that it is a part of me and it, it, you know, that's in me in the present, but it's also, um, it looks very different from how I exist now. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And being like, you know, but I, I totally understand why, I mean, there's plenty of people who want to distance themselves from their, and like, there was a point in time where I definitely wanted that too. And I was like, I'm going to just try to never interact with anyone who ever knew me before ever again. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not really realistic. But <laughs> I transitioned at 32. So <laughs> it's like, it, like, I can't really like, it's out there. I'm like, unless I want to have a whole new, I don't know. There was a point in time where I was like, I can't show anyone my resume. Cause I can't, I have to start again and like all these things. Um, it definitely like led me to be more aggressive in gaining new skills. I will say, uh -huh. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I can, I can start again. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know, but and I know, you know, it's everything's circular and linear. And it like as much as there was a point in time where it felt like I was distancing myself from the past, it's like come back around, and I've, mm -hmm. you know, now able to. Um, you know, come back into spaces that I never thought I would go back into, and um, yeah, just it like, all comes back uh, to the loop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all comes back to <laughs> don't get me started uh, ranting about loops. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh so my god! Much Thank you for being so here, <laughs> for talking to us. We'll be right back after this. Listening to Oh LeBron by Charlie Kilgore. We featured Charlie's music in our second episode, and he's back for his second appearance. He's one-sixth of the R&B pop and New York City-based collective Michelle, and is also a songwriter-producer specializing in folk, R&B, and pop music. Type in Michelle in all caps to listen to some of their music on Spotify. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Boiled Over. We've been lining up some very exciting interviews for these next couple of months, so stay tuned, and we'll see you next time on Boiled, Boiled Over! Over.